All right, everybody, welcome back to the Cat Shack. We are extremely fortunate today to be joined by an amazing guest, a man who needs no introduction around Carolina, but we're going to give him a nice introduction anyways. Nebraska Football Hall of Famer, NFL Pro Bowler, third all-time Panther sack leader and Panthers legend, Mr. Mike Rucker. Hey, how you doing, buddy? Doing well, doing well. Really do uh, appreciate you taking some time to, to join us today. Got a lot of nice uh, topics about the current state of the Panthers to go through and definitely want to pick your brain about some of the some of the great Panthers runs from back oh. in the day. So, so yeah, we can just dive right in. You know, the the first question, you know, that that came to mind for me was, you know, and I was a little bit young uh, back in the day in 04 when you guys made that Super Bowl run. But, you know, I've seen enough highlights to know that was a pretty incredible game. So, you know, how was that playing, you know, not just in the Super Bowl, but playing against Tom Brady and, you know, any any awesome stories from that season? Yeah, I always when I talk about the 0304 season, um, I have to go, you know, a little bit before that. And I go back to 2001. And um, 2001, uh, we we won our first game against Minnesota and we proceeded to lose the next 15 games. So we finished that year at one in 15. And so um, so the one thing that I learned about myself is about not giving up and being smart and being tough. And there was a handful of guys from that team that were the foundation and part of that 0304 season. And I believe that us finding our true identity when things weren't going right, that that helped us during that season. Because if you, if you, if you know, like our, our nickname was the cardiac cats mm-hmm. and that came from us winning close games um, that, you know, some people would say we had no business winning. And I think part of that fabric and that foundation was built off of two years before that when we went one and 15. So I always got to start off with the little foundation piece, but you know, that, that year was a special year because on paper, it wasn't, you know, you, you want to go to the Super Bowl, but people didn't say, okay, this team is a front runner to go to the Super Bowl this year. Um, but we had a bunch of blue collar guys that were willing to work hard and play 60 minutes and not quit. And it, it started off with game one against Jacksonville and us finding a way to win. Um, and that's kind of the way that that season went. Like it wasn't like we were blowing teams out 60 to nothing. They were, we were, we were scratching and clawing for each win. And with each win came confidence and that confidence just kept growing and kept growing and kept growing. And um, it was just an awesome ride. It was an awesome, it was a great experience. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned the, how going one and 15 really kind of prepared the core of that team to, to be able to succeed going forward. And I think, you know, I'm hoping that there's some of that with this team we have now, you know, obviously it's a tough season. Oh, and six right now. And, you know, likely not going to finish with a great record. Um, but, you know, I do think we have a core of players now, especially with Bryce at the lead Burns, yeah. Derek Brown, you know, some other leaders on the offensive line that, you know, hopefully those guys can take what you just said there and carry that forward into future seasons. Yeah. You know, I even what I've been telling people now is like even back in 2004, I think it was 0405 season. Um, I remember we were like one in seven, if I remember right. And we went out to San Francisco 
and we're kind of in a dog fight, dog fight, and um, we get a fumble, fumble recovery. I think it was right before halftime, and that that spark. I think we end up getting points all that. That spark, uh, we end up winning that game, and then we went on this big winning streak to to a point to where we almost made the playoffs that year. We needed to win the last game and needed some help, but it just reminded me that you're never out of the fight. You know, you got to keep swinging and regardless of where they're at right now, um, you know, there is opportunities to get on a winning streak and that's why we play this game. And sometimes the ball bounces your way. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you have injuries. Sometimes you don't. Um, Some of that stuff we can't dictate, but we can control, we can control and that there's just one fumble, one interception away from going on a winning streak. For sure. Yeah. And I also think that with the Panthers next three games coming up, Houston at home, Indy at home, and then at Chicago on Thursday night. I mean, there's, this is the opportunity now, I think for the Panthers to kind of gain some momentum on this season. So we'll see how that plays out, but um, yeah. And uh, you know, another question I had is um, cause you know, we have Brian Burns now, you know, reminds me a lot of, of you and Julius Peppers back in the day. So I'm curious, you know, how was it playing opposite a guy like Julius Peppers? And, you know, how think how important do you think it is for a player like Burns, an elite edge rusher, to have somebody else on that other side to create pressure and prevent double teams on his side? Yeah, great question. So being able to um, have the privilege uh, to play um, opposite of Pep, I mean, Pep came in, he was highly touted. He was a guy that played basketball, like that was kind of like his first love. And then, you know, football kind of fell into his life. And um, obviously in the next, you know, 12 months, we're, we're going to, you know, see a lot from from Pep and, you know, his accolades of, you know, going into the, the Panthers, you know, Hall of Honor this weekend to, um, you know, being a first ballot Hall of Famer um, come next year. So. Uh, to be able to to be part of that and to to know him and to see him grow over the over the tenure that we played together was awesome. I got a front row seat um, to see a guy that was uh, really good on the field, but even a better person off the field in, in the community. Um, you know, I, I think you know, as as Brian Burns, he has this talent. You know, a cool mm-hmm. little story is that um, his brother um, Stanley McGlover. Uh, was a teammate of mine. And oh. so, um, you know, Brian, when he was like, you know, eight, nine, 10 years old, you know, he would come to the practices and, you know, and, and, and watch us practice. So you talk about a family, you know, coming full circle, you know, so being able to see Brian's, you know, turn out to be the guy that he is um, and what he's doing on the field is, is very important. I think, you know, being able to play opposite of Pep, there was a sense of responsibility for myself knowing that if he's getting double team and I got a one-on-one, I have to win. I have to win for this team because he's getting double team. And there's times where he's beating double teams. So he's got a tough job. So like we should be able to do our job into being able to help him out too. And so there, there was a responsibility that I found that I had, to be able to to um, help him out if he was getting double team, the second part is, is that like playing opposite him, I had to race him basically to get my sacks. You know, so a lot of times people were saying, "Hey, you know what? What's the best offensive tackle that you go against?" 
trying to beat Pep back there was very, very hard. And he won the majority of those. I'll tell you that right now. Obviously, you could look at the sack column. But, yeah. you know, to be able to watch to watch him um, and be able to do some of the things that he did, whether it's interceptions, whether it's him running plays down, um, just being able to have a front row seat to that was, was pretty cool. Yeah, that's yeah, that's awesome. And I, I do remember when, you know, the early the early Peppers days, you know, I was a little young, so didn't really get to see a lot of the prime. But and even when he came back to Carolina for that second stint, yeah. he was pretty dominant, especially that one season. Yep. I think he had double digit sacks. And that's when we still had Mario Addison, too. And yep. you know, I think having just that that pressure of Julius Peppers on that other side really led to a lot of success for Addison, who I mean, Mario Addison kind of slipped through the cracks in, in Panthers history, I think. I mean, that guy was somebody who put up a lot of numbers for this team. Yep. So I'm hoping we can find – Somebody like that, I mean, you know, I mean, Gross Matos just went to the IR, so that's tough. Yeah. Marquise, Mar- I think Marquise Haynes has been solid at times coming in on third down, rushing the passer, but I do think that's something that we need to to address going forward, try to find that next stud opposite Burns, um, which kind of yeah. my next question. You know, there's been a lot of debate. There were some rumors last year and then some rumors this year about potentially – trading Brian Burns you know we don't have that first round pick next year maybe looking to get one of those picks back you know I personally don't think that it makes a ton of sense I think that if you were to decline apparently they got offered two first round picks for Burns last season and declined so if you're going to decline that I mean I think it's about time for him to get the contract that he wants lock him up as a defensive pillar for the future and especially since you know we got Bryce on a rookie deal I mean to me it's like you know, who are we who are we paying and who's more important to pay outside of Brian Burns? But, you know, do you have any thoughts on some of those trade rumors? And what do you think there? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, some of that's some higher level stuff. You're looking at, you know, um, the, the draft picks that you have given up. That's that's one topic. Um, what your cap number looks like, you know, moving forward. So on surface, it might look like really easy decision to do this or to do that. But there's a lot of things that go into to the decision. You're not only looking for now, but you're also looking what's the future look like. So um, I don't envy that job. That that's that's a tough job to to maneuver. You know, anytime you know, there's a couple of positions um, on a team that you look like that are game changers, right? Like you have to have a quarterback. He he's he's a game changer. Um, an, another one is you you have to have pressure from someone on the defensive line and a lot of times that comes from from that defensive end spot a lot of times so these are positions that can change the course of a game and if you have a a good guy you need to really look at that um, and say okay uh, if we have him this is what looks like if we don't have this person this is what it looks like but everybody has value and and so um, you know what they choose to do um, you're you're saying like, hey, they have the data to say this is the best for the team to do X, Y, and Z. But Burns is a game changer. Um, you're you're one sack away, a fumble away from, you know, turn the ball over to your offense. Um, so that is a that is a tough question. Um, sometimes, and I, I'm not saying that this is the case, but when teams do trade somebody. Sometimes it's it's not necessarily for the benefit of the team, but sometimes it's the benefit for that person, you know, and, and what they're asking and what they're trying to do. And so I think that's something that we don't know. Um, 
you know, there, there are times where guys say, look, hey, I want to win a championship. Team might be like, hey, we're maybe three years out from that, you know, and, and that person might not want to wait that long for that. And so sometimes the teams will, on behalf of the player, um, help them out, get to a place to where they're competitive right away. Um, I mean, you look at McCaffrey, right? Um, you know, Christian, no one's going to argue his play. There you go, 2-2. Two, two. You know, you can, you're, no one's going to argue the play um, uh, on the field, right? Like I've had for umpteen years, I've had him as my fantasy guy, and he's he's taking care of me very well, as he's, he's doing right now. But you take a guy who has so many years left in the future, and you put him on a team that it benefits him. Right. And, 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 and it was a win-win, um, you know, from the team's perspective. So sometimes there's different, different reasons for X, Y, and Z. Um, that's above my pay grade, but um, I, I would, I would believe that if the team is, is looking at doing X, Y, and Z for, for whatever trade they're doing, whatever decisions they're doing, they're doing it on behalf of the overall future of this team and where it's at. Like you're, they're inside the locker room. They've got a pulse on it. So um, you, you just got to um, uh, leave it to them to, to do the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I agree. I, th- I think that's really good insight, especially with the McCaffrey trade. I, de- I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of factors that went into that. Some of the injuries over the last couple of seasons here, as well as, you know, I think what you insinuated too was like, Hey, let's get this guy. This guy's put in a lot for this yeah. franchise. You know, he wants to win, especially with a running back where those careers are, you know, typically a little bit shorter. shorter yeah. You know, it is good to see. It's 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 something very bittersweet, you know, being a big McCaffrey. Yeah, absolutely. Seeing, yeah. The, seeing the Niners on prime time every week and, and he scored a touchdown every single game. He's been on That's the right. team in San Francisco. Yeah. He's totally changed them from, okay, we've got a great defense and some good players on the outside, you know, but a little quarter, quarterback question, you know, we don't really know where they're at to insert Christian McCaffrey. And now it's just, you know, most people would probably say they're, the best team in the league. I know they've lost. Yeah. Really well, the, you know, the, the other thing too, is you're looking at, okay, we know that like one of the two positions that we talked about, um, you know, quarterback being one of them, you know, we haven't really had a lot of security at the quarterback spot in the history of the Carolina Panthers. Right. We've, we've kind of struggled. Um, Kim being the last, um, quarterback that has just really been solidified that position for a while. Mm-hmm. And so you're saying, okay, if we know that the NFL, you have to have a quarterback um, and we have tried a bunch of different options at quarterback and it hasn't really panned out for us. Hey, if we've got to go into this draft to to do that for the next 10 plus years, what is that going to take to do that? And so, so then you start, you insert that conversation and then if you're saying, okay, we, we're doubling down, you got to find ways to maneuver to, to be able to do that. And so, um, you know, th- there's a, it's, on, on, on the surface, sometimes it looks like really easy, like this Monday day, the Monday day quarterbacking. But when you start really putting pen to paper, it's a very difficult balance to get that right balance of not only the team makeup, but getting what you know that you need to be successful in the future. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. I, I think that makes a lot of sense to kind of take care of the first thing first. And, you know, it's like, hey, we could have Christian McCaffrey full strength year after year after year, but if we still don't have the quarterback situation filled out, you know, what is that really going to get us? You know, maybe a few wins. Maybe we can go 5-12, and 6-11, right. like that. But 
you know, I think it makes a lot of sense, you know, don't want to pay a running back 16 million a year, you know, want to get that quarterback solidified. Hopefully Bryce Young can be that kind of next Cam Newton type guy, obviously a different player, but just kind yeah. of secure the position. Um, and then we can build out the rest of the team from there. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's really good insight. Um, you know, another question that I kind of just thought of is, you know, so when you, when you retired from the NFL, did you ever think about coming to, to coach for the Panthers, maybe go coach in Nebraska? Is that, is that something that you would want to do? And is that something that you would reach out to the Panthers about, or have they ever reached out to you and asked you to come coach? Yeah, I think it's a great question. You know, you know, I started playing football when I was six years old and I absolutely just fell in love with it. And I was, I was married to football and I gave it my all. Uh, it was a blessing. It afforded me um, uh, an avenue to, to experience a lot of things in life that I wouldn't have been able to otherwise. And so once you aren't able to play the game, you're like, okay, what's the next best thing? You know, what can get me the closest to that feeling um, that when you put something into it, you can see a result. And so you start looking at, okay, what's coaching look like? And so as I started, you know, doing a little homework and looking and talking, I just came to the conclusion with having three kids at that time in my life, I was going to have to give too much into coaching. Uh, and I wasn't willing to, to pay the sacrifice of not being around my family and being gone for the time that you've got to put in. And so I respect coaches that do that for me personally, it just, it, it didn't match up. And so I decided not to, to go into coaching. Um, you know, one of the things I do now is I, I work for the NFL legends community from the NFL side. And basically um, what we do is um, uh, we help, um, guys, we celebrate guys that are, are, are retiring and, and we, we help navigate them through the next steps of their life and their journey, whether they want to go back to school or they, you know, they've got ailments, um, uh, if they want to, you know, help with their resume, cause these are things that you don't think about, right? Like, so my resume is the film that I put on, on Sundays. That's my resume from team to team. When I decide I'm, I'm done, I'm going to retire at 28, 32. Now I got to go into the business world. There are things that we haven't really touched on, uh, and the resume is one of them. So being able to help guys and help guys navigate to some of those resources, um, to me, kept me close to the game. And I felt like I was helping the game in a certain way and helping individuals and helping my brothers and the brotherhood um, transition out of the game. And so I felt uh, a lot of joy in that. And so that's kind of where I've been at in the last 10 years. Wow. Yeah, no, I did. I didn't know that about the the NFL legends work. That's, yeah, that's really awesome. Yeah. Stuff. Um, and if, Hey, if you ever, whenever your kids get older, if you decide to change your mind about coaching. Could, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure they could use you. I know Derek Brown and Burns and the boys, they, I'm sure they got something they can learn from you. So just throwing that out there. I'm, sure yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. Cool. Um, well, speaking of coaching, so, you know, obviously being a Nebraska guy, I'm sure you followed the Matt Rule situation pretty closely. And, you know, I'm sure you heard, I mean, the general sentiment of Matt Rule as a Panthers coach was, I mean, it's, it was extremely negative. I mean, he was getting ripped, shredded, torn apart by everybody. And I think now, you know, people are kind of realizing, all right, it might not be that easy, you know, given people were happy about the Reich hire and, not everything's not on one guy, but things aren't going very well. But, you know, so 
I don't know what you thought about Rule at the time when he was a Panthers coach, and then you know what was your initial reaction when he he was hired on Nebraska, and and what how do you think he's been doing so far? Yeah, you know, I think it's a, it's a difficult transition um, because the, even though the X's and O's um, are what they are, um, the personnel is different, right? You're you're dealing with in college, you're dealing with um, you know teenage kids, uh, young adults that you're kind of help guide through life. And when you get to the NFL level, it's a business. Guys are getting checks. Um, guys might be older than you, you know, playing in this game. And so, you know, the response on how, you know, um, you know, you know, coaching goes could be different. I mean, there's been a lot of really successful college coaches try their hand at the NFL and it not work, but they're better off at the collegiate level, i.e. Nick Saban, right? I mean, a lot of times people don't don't remember when he when he jumped jumped back into the head coaching role and uh, didn't work out, and then um, you know has been successful, very successful at the college level. Mm-hmm. So it's about finding your place and your niche. I think that um, on paper it looked really good. Our team was young. Um, you know, having a coach come from the college level, how he communicates, uh, felt like you know that would be a good fit. It did not work out. Um, I think that also at this level, at the coaching level, you have to let um, uh, you have to let let people do what they do best. And there's a lot of moving parts that go on at the NFL level. And so it didn't work out. And so, you know, for for the Nebraska piece, um, it went really quick. But I think from what we were lacking, um at Nebraska was, I would say, maybe like structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not only the structure, um, but bringing people together and having accountability. And I think that that's something that, you know, um, Trev Alberts um, looked at Coach Rule um, is bringing some of that structure, that continuity and accountability, you know, to the team. I think that if something's not going right, I think he'll he'll pull the trigger and he'll he'll, he'll move quickly. Um, you know, players aren't doing stuff. I think Coach Rule will do that. Obviously, the landscape of college has changed dramatically over the last, you know, five to eight to ten years. You know, with the nil and 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 you know, essentially, you're you got one year contracts with some of these kids, and so that makes that 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 transition even more difficult. So I think Coach Rule fits really well. And on the recruiting, he's got a good personality where he's high energy. So going into people's homes, um, I think that that fits him really, really well. So obviously, um, we're, we're, we're battling on our wins and losses at Nebraska, but some of that's going to take some time. Um, I think the, the biggest thing that we, when we were successful at Nebraska was, hey, you got to recruit your backyard. And it seems like he's trying to do that. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I, I definitely agree. I think there's, you know, he's got more of a history of being a, a program builder, you know, especially at that college level with Temple kind of pulling Baylor up from the from the gutter yeah. after some of their scandals. Um, and then, you know, hopefully he can do the same thing at Nebraska. And, I mean, if he can do it at Baylor and at Temple, I definitely think he can do it at Nebraska with, you know, the history that they have being a super successful college football program. So, That's right. Yeah, and I mean, look, I wasn't happy with the way that the Panthers – we're looking under him, but you know, I'm I'll I'll root for the best for him. Uh, and yeah. hope they can turn it around. Um, I hope so too. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm a I'm a Gamecock fan, so I can't even I can't even say a single bad word about Nebraska right now. You'll, That's right. They'll <laughs> beat us pretty pretty handily, I'm sure. So, um, great. Yeah, but let's uh want to kind of pivot back real quick. Just a couple questions about Bryce Young. Um, you know, so what do you, what first off, just how do you think he looks so far? You know, at first, like when when people you know bring up Bryce, you know, I, I like to talk about character. Like he, he he's got a phenomenal character. His his willingness to um, just go beyond you know what he has to do just in in the community and the fan base, um, you know. So I think that is is first and foremost is like how does someone fit into your community, um, you know? And 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 he he fits very very well. Uh, you know, his demeanor is calm. Um, you know, he's He's he puts attention to detail, um, which I think that's what you want from your quarterback. He's putting that time in. And so, you know, being a young quarterback, there's so many things that you're going to see. I mean, even if you're playing a different position, there's still a, a grading curve that you have to to just overcome. And um, I, I believe that as you've seen the year, the, the weeks go on, you look at some of his throws. Some of them are starting to come out quicker a little bit more precise, you know, you're, you're starting to see some of the stats that are starting to creep up in a good way. I think it's just having um, the time and the ability to do it. I think some of it is just time to be able to say, I can make that throw or I can't make that throw or, Hey, I can make that throw. I just got to be quicker with it. And some of that is just on the job training flat, flat out. You just got to be on the job. And you've got to throw the picks. You got to throw the incompletes. Um, you got to throw the touchdowns. That just comes with time. But if you've got the character, you have the ability, and you have the ability to want to learn from your mistakes. Those are good qualities that you can now build a strong foundation on. He has all that. He is coachable, right? There are some guys that aren't coachable. There are some 30 for 30s where guys aren't looking at film and looking at tape. You know what I'm saying? So he's got this strong foundation that you're going to build on. And we're a handful of games into his career and into the season. You just can't judge. You don't want to go judging and just throwing the kitchen sink at just because you're not in your win column where you want to be. There is a short-term thing, and then there's a long-term thing that you got to look at. And, again, sometimes you just got to be in the seat to be able to, to learn from these, these mistakes and, and, and the things that you do well. For sure. Yeah. And I think, I think another part of it too, is coming into the season. I think that people expected the defense to be a little bit better. And I it's, I think it's the 31st ranked defense right now. And I think a lot of that is due to injuries. I mean, so many guys have gone down when you get the leader of the middle of your defense, Shaq Thompson down, obviously JC Horn, Chan, and there's, there's a few others. I think that's hurt Bryce Young a lot in terms of the, the win loss record. I mean, there's only so much you can do when you're constantly trailing in games. I think obviously we know that the receiving core skill positions isn't the best, you know, it's isn't the best, um, you know, it's definitely below average in the NFL. And I think fans get really frustrated when they see guys like CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson, maybe have a little more immediate success, you know, right off the bat. But I think, like you said, it's, you know, it's a long process. We trade it up to get them. It's an investment for the future. So I think all we can really do is, 
you know, just keep supporting them and, and hope that things turn around. Um, because in terms of the development of the team, you know, I wanted to get your take on this. A lot of people focus so much on the receiving core. They focus so much on the defense or focus so much on having a great O-line to give him time. You know, what of those do you think is most important for a young quarterback coming into the NFL to be able to have the best chance to succeed? I think with any quarterback, whether you're new or old, is you need an offensive line. You need time to be able to um, get that ball out, go through your progression. I think that, um, you know, from a health safety perspective, um, the less hits that you're taking, I think that's going to bode well for your for your offense. So, uh, if I'm going to start a team, I'm a I'm an old school guy. I'm starting with the offensive line and the defensive line. Those I'll, I'll never move off that. You know, when you look at a house or a building, um, if you don't have that foundation, isn't solid. It doesn't matter what kind of roof you have on. It doesn't matter if you've got expensive things inside or expensive walls. It's all dictated off of that foundation. So I'm always going to start with with the line, um, and then and then again the the willingness to go through your progressions. Um, you know, Adam Thielen is is done a phenomenal job of stepping into that role, uh, regardless of what they thought he was going to do or not do. He's doing a great job. So you build off that. You know, um, you know, a, a lot of times you, you look on the field, but also. What is Adam doing to the younger receivers? How is he helping them progress, right? So I use uh, Musa Muhammad, right? You know, he's, he's a receiver that's been around for, you know, four or five years. And, you know, then we brought in Steve Smith, right? What, what kind of knowledge did, did Moose pour into Steve Smith? And then how did Steve Smith then grow and progress in his tenure of being – being around guys like that. So there's, again, going back to that short-term, long-term, you know, having Adam here, but also what is he doing outside of the things that off, off the field that we don't see that are positives for the next two to three years, per se. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to individuals. And then the coaches can put up all the plays that they want, but ultimately it comes down to the individuals and execution. Are you in the right spot? Do you know where you need to be? Do you know your routes? Do you know what gap you're you're hitting on on a blitz? Ultimately, it comes down to the X's and O's. And sometimes, um, you know, I've been in through a couple of, you know, tough patches, like I told you. Um, sometimes simplifying things can help you get out of a hole. Um, sometimes we can have so much information that it makes us play a little bit slower because our mind has got so much um, sometimes just simplifying things allows us to play faster and just with our, our God-given ability. So I think that the, coming off the bye week is a great time to kind of reset, re-level, self-scout, right? You look at yourself, right? So so each week you're looking at the other team. What do they do? You know, this and that. So with the bye week, what you're able to do is you're able to kind of just like, let's go back over our film. Yeah. Let's see what we've done great. Let's see what we might need to work on. And maybe what we need to stay away from. So I think that this is a good time. It's not like the bye weeks come in um, at the end of the year. So um, there's plenty of time to get this boat, you know, steered in the right direction. Um, I, I really like Frank. I know Frank, known Frank for a long time. Uh, solid foundation. This to me is the right coach at the right time. 
with the with the right players. It's about getting the right people in the right spots and everybody doing what what they're capable of doing. Um, of course, we like to start off undefeated, right? Um, but there are trials and tribulations that we go through as a team. And um, again, it comes down to the players and, and turning things around. So I think coming off the bye week, playing Houston, like we talked about earlier, I think there's a stretch of games that uh, you can get into. You can get some wins. I yeah. think the the trap is is trying to say, okay, here's three games we can win. The only winnable game is this week against the Texans, and that's what everybody needs to focus on. Get that W, move to the next week. Um, and I think that that would be a, a good track. I think it comes at a good time. Yeah. I totally agree. And we'll, we'll see how they come out out of the bye week. Last question I got for you. Can you just give me a quick score prediction for this Sunday? You know, I think that it's, it's going to be a dog fight. I think that Houston's got a new head coach and, you know, they're a younger team and then they're scrapping for wins. Um, I like that we're playing at home. I think that that's, that's one thing that um, as a football player, we, we want to win all of our home games. So I think that our crowd um, you know, hopefully that we come out in numbers. It's it's the Hall of Honor weekend. So um, hopefully we're coming out and we're we're supporting our two guys that are going into the to the Hall of Honor. And hopefully that we have those, those Panther fans out there that are making it difficult for the Texans. So I, I believe that we can we can etch this out um, by, by a field goal. I think it's going to be a dogfight, but I think that we, we get a, a field goal to, to win this and um, to get get this win at home on this weekend to start this next streak. I love it. I love it. I'm going to roll with the same prediction, 23-20 Carolina. Um, but, I yeah, like it. again, really, really do appreciate you you coming on today. It uh, really means a lot. It was a great interview. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Appreciate you, brother.